This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast you live on location in Sarasota, Florida. Jim, I just want to warn our um, <laughs> listeners for today. Wait a minute. No, no I, I see a YouTube video in our future after the show. And so I just want to kind of tease our listeners that they just might want to go subscribe to, our, gift. subscribe to our YouTube channel <laughs> and see what we have in store after the show. <laughs> Wait till you get this one. So just I work for him. That's I work the number four him. And you can find us on YouTube. That's right. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You never know the videos you're going to see out there. <laughs> That's right. And just know that I'll never be standing under a light because Martha's always tired of the glare off my bald head. That's right. <laughs> all right. But a shout out to all of our listeners all over Tampa Bay from south of Ocala and north of Fort Myers all the way over to Disney on AM 57910 and FM 102.1 in Lakeland and in Jacksonville 917 on the Truth 919 in St. Augustine and 913 in Folkestone, Georgia. And of course, in Hampton Roads, Virginia on the Lighthouse AM 1010 and FM 100.1. We're so grateful that you've all tuned in. And of course, to our podcast audience, just know that you've all been prayed for, that what we talk about today will impact you in a way that you can't even anticipate. Because most radio shows you tune in to hear a bunch of people blather on about blathering on. I have no idea what they're even saying or they say it over and over again. Not on this show. On this show, we're here just to challenge you to live out your faith in your work to be vibrantly effective and being a Jesus follower wherever you go on a day-to-day basis. You know, generosity and giving, they're two things, that, two words that should go hand in hand. Yet as Jesus followers, so often we don't see those things naturally flow out of us. We think what we have is ours and we think what we have we're going to keep yet god blesses us not to increase our status of living but to increase our status of giving and that often then increases our status of living but it's all being driven by our giving and our generosity and why is that so important because if we are controlled by our stuff it becomes our god but if we are generous with our stuff and none of it we hold on to tightly god can use it to do so much better and today we partnered up with helping hands charitable they're a supporter of i work for him but they're also a, a organization that around this nation is making a huge huge difference in helping people to maximize their giving and minimize their taxation and they do super creative stuff we got dan baker here he's hosting us here in sarasota dan baker welcome back to i work for him hey it's great to be with you guys glad we're in florida and not in the 110 degree uh, desert of california like last time you know that's right well <laughs> but i gotta tell you the 110 degree desert in california was cooler than this temperature outside, and they didn't have love bugs. No love bugs. That was a saving grace. It, it, the sure. love bugs. The, the love bug <laughs> infestation down here in Sarasota is a little out of control. I don't. It must be. You know, they say that God sends plagues for a reason. Why has God sent this plague on Sarasota? <laughs> What's going on here? It's a Florida thing. No, no, because I got to tell you, everywhere, yeah, we're, we're, everywhere we've driven, it hasn't been as bad as it is here. All Isn't right, Dan, Helping Hands Charitable. You yes. guys are making an impact all over the country. Yes. What is What's one thing that you guys do to help organizations be more generous? I uh, love that question. So uh, one of the, the biggest things that we do for organizations is that we, we help them be intentional and create methods and systems to be intentional of, about creating generosity within the community that we call their workplace. Um, so many times it's accidental, right? Somebody comes and asks for uh, assistance with something. What we do is we actually create a structure whereby everything is intentional and it, and it happens mm-hmm. on purpose. Uh, and uh, then those employees can take that back to their own communities and their own homes. 
So what does that look like? Yeah, what do you mean say, being intentional? Yeah. How so, do they do that? So a lot of times what we found uh, about 12 years ago is when we originally started the program, the corporate assistance program, okay. which is which is really what we talk about a lot, right? Um, and uh, it came out of a, a need uh, because we were finding that in the workplace environment, let, let's say Mary, I always like to use the, the name Mary. <laughs> Mary works on the line and she had a, uh, an accident or something and she needed some That's financial terrible. assistance, right? So she typically goes to her peers in her her direct department. Well, um, ultimately that affects productivity and, and that kind of stuff because now people are distracted. They're worried about Mary. Mm-hmm. What, we, what we do is we go back to the leadership level and we say, let's create a program by which the whole community of your employee base knows that there is help if it's needed. And all they have to simply do is apply for a grant. Now we've taken that worry, that concern, they know it's already going to be taken care of because it's something that we've built, we've advertised, we've talked about. It becomes part of the culture. And so you can help any organization set up that kind of structure. I sure can. Helping Hands Charitable is the name of the organization, hhcharitable.org. Dan, you brought us down here to Sarasota, yeah. up here to Sarasota, from anywhere in Sarasota. <laughs> and and you, brought some, you brought some friends with you today. Yes. Why don't you introduce your friends today? Yes. So I have Asad Faraj, and he is from uh, the Fort Myers area. And he is a financial services specialist, and he walks out his faith in an amazing way, spends tons of time in ministry work and missions, and you guys just needed to hear his story. And my my good friend Brian Yost with City Commit right here in Sarasota in our backyard. Uh, They hold over 50 groups every month uh, occurring around the area where where leaders and business guys come together and, and worship together and just grow in relationship. You know, Brian Yost, we go way back. Last year, we spent some time in Cincinnati together. Yeah. Welcome. We didn't get a chance to do a show then. Welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. It's, it's amazing that we lived so close together, but we had to met so Cincinnati. many miles apart. <laughs> 15 this has been, hours been a recurring theme with several of our guests, I think, where we've been like on the other side of the country, then we meet <laughs> them, and they live in our state. That's right. It is, it's one of those recurring themes. Okay, so Brian Yost, tell us about City Commit. Nope, don't do that. First, tell us how you met Jesus. How'd you become a Jesus follower? Man, I was blessed. I was blessed to, to be brought up in a, a home that epitomized uh, a Christian family. Um, Christ followers so it was part of my life and that's not the story of everybody but for me it was so uh, I came to know Christ uh, as, as an early really at eight years old uh, VBS baptized in uh, Grable Missionary Church in northern Indiana and that began the journey of uh, living out my faith to the degree I knew and grew um, through that in my Christ uh, in uh, teenage years and then went to Anderson University in Indiana. Anderson, Indiana. Anderson, We've Indiana. We've spent time on Anderson College, Anderson University's college campus. Beautiful. It's, ex- it's, it's exactly right. Campus. So mm-hmm. um, that was my early childhood, early teenage years. And so I've been fortunate to be brought up in that, in that uh, not only a Christian, but an educator's home, too. Both my mother and father were educators. That came into play. So when you got lectures, they were long. They were long. <laughs> the they punctuation were. was right. <laughs> and they had po- three to five points. They were points. double spaced. <laughs> Not only that, my, both my parents were English majors, too. So just oh, go ahead and add horrible. to that. That's horrible. Yeah. Wow. That is horrible. Yeah. See, I would have been given up for adoption had I been born into that family. <laughs> yeah. because my, English, was my, English was my worst language. All uh, right. <laughs> so tell us, at what point in time in your life did you make that connection between your faith and and your work, yeah, it was, that's interesting because I, I out of college, I I became a, a, a running manufacturing plants at an early age from 22 to 25 years old. But the other side of my story is I'm a prodigal, and so uh, 
there was uh, five years where I uh, actually lost my faith. Not lost, but I, I journeyed away from God for a while. He didn't journey away from me. I journeyed away from him. And so I didn't have it at that point. It actually is when I became a lead pastor that I think that I, uh, we would have 70 to 90 men on Wednesday mornings and I would teach what was called men's fraternity. And most of the men in that room uh, were small businessmen and, and some were CEOs of large companies. And that's when I probably came to the conclusion that this, this, um, this veil that we often put between sacred and secular needed to be brought down. And, um, Come on, torn. Come on, Jesus tore the veil. I, you could say it that way as well, more emphatically. <laughs> Thank you. And so uh, that's probably, it's in, ironic. I that wish our <laughs> listeners could have seen your face, Brian, yeah. because this will so be nice hilarious calm. on this. <laughs> you know, I, I just, it's so true. I'm, but that, that sacred secular divide, exactly. it, it, was, it was created by religious people. Right. So when exactly. you saw that need, how did that change how you <laughs> were ministering to these men? Yeah. So, I, you know, because of my business background and uh, it being a Christ follower in the Christian setting in many different ways, I didn't intentionally think about what that ministry looks like in the workplace until I, I saw, man, the ministry to these men, to our church, and what we began seeing in the church because we were reaching so many men, it began, began to change the dynamics of marriages and our church and serving and tithing then take it out into the workplace. Mm. And so my, many of my meetings were in their boardrooms. It was, it was in the marketplace where I, I really started to sense this whole move toward the ministry in the marketplace, which is wherever we put our feet is where the kingdom of God is. Mm-hmm. And that's, if that's kind of when it revealed to me at 37, I'm now 55. It was probably 37 years old when I kind of realized Wow. This, this is a, a, what God's calling me to. Mm-hmm. Our work matters to God, and that's so important for us each to understand that, that your workplace technically really is a mission field, and in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. Yeah. You can listen to our work firm as we broadcast from Sarasota, Florida. Dan Baker, uh, you, you're quite a crowd you put together for us here today. You're welcome. <laughs> Dan Baker's with the Helping right, Hands sorry. Charitable. <laughs> hhcharitable.org. Dan Baker, you know, one of the great things about Helping Hands Charitable is that you guys are an organization that can help anybody that's got a a non-cash asset turn that into cash so that it can be used for the kingdom. Absolutely. And sometimes you take those assets and turn them to cash, but keep them as assets, which I love that. You get them, you know, ongoing producing assets. Yeah, rental income, warehouses, uh, industrial spaces. We've taken in quite a bit of that over the years uh, where there's lease income coming in and that lease income comes in and we just subtract the expenses and then it rolls right back out into a donor advised fund for that donor to give away to charity. So one of the things that just amazes me about you guys is that you're just so... Yeah, we can do that. This we is can as, do that. You know, no, but I mean, it's because it's your world. Yeah. So we look at it and think this is so difficult. There's so many loops to, you know, hoops sure. to go through. I can't ever imagine making this happen. And I can't imagine how many conversations we've had over the years of just being like, oh, yeah, well, we've done it this way and you can do this. And you just because you guys know what you do and you do it so well, um, that's why we want people to hear about you, because um, if if there's anything that they're thinking about, you know, just how to um, utilize what God's given them Mm -hmm. in a way to allow the generosity to be multiplied Mm -hmm. by um, by paying the least amount of taxes in, you know, 
You don't have to, to whisper what? like that. It's still yeah, on the radio. Get it really quiet. It's the okay least amount of taxes. Maximize your giving and minimize your taxes. Yeah, you know, but but you're you're just so good at it, and thank I just you. we just want people to hear that. Yeah, hhcharitable.org, hhcharitable.org. Why don't you introduce our other guest? Truly blessed to be here today. So Asad Faraj and Brian Yost, both marketplace uh, ministers in, in the truest form. Uh, one working out through the financial services uh, offices that he owns, and the other working uh, with business leaders in the community, uh, creating places to belong and collaborate and uh, just build relationship in Christ. And Brian Yost, we heard a little bit from you, and we're going to come back to you and talk more about City Commit. We're going to go to you, Asad Faraj. I love your name. What a great name, Asad Faraj. Like, do you have a cool sports car too to go along with Assad Faraj's sports car. We're again a brother. <laughs> Work out what so what is your dream sports car? Um it's uh the Tesla Roadster. Oh yeah. nice the Roadster you like the one he launched uh, off the Into top space. of the spaceship? That's yeah one. nice. He wants that one. Yeah yeah <laughs> that one's in rough shape at this point in time. It <laughs> probably doesn't have much paint left on that one. Okay plus there was some other guy driving it. Okay so Assad Faraj tell us how did you become you got an interesting um, cultural background you, you said 25% Lebanese mm-hmm. 50% Chaldean mm-hmm. from like where Abraham came from the Ur of the Chaldees you got some serious Middle Eastern background. What's yeah. the other twenty five percent? Armenian. Armenian. Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. So, all That's right. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So, tell us how'd you become a Jesus follower? Because those areas aren't known for you know developing a lot of Jesus followers. Yeah. So, first of all, I'm grateful to be here. Grateful to be anywhere. If we open the lines, just ask everybody. Do you feel like you're blessed to be alive? Everyone's got a story. And my story is I was born in Basra, Iraq, and we left when I was four. Thank God. So twice my dad risked our lives to get us out of there, and then from. Tripoli, Libya, we got out of there. But anyway, looking back historically, it was December of nine. It was, uh, it was um, uh, the year that Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And then that war, Desert Storm, began. Sure, that was the year I turned 18. Mm-hmm. And in the country I was born, there was a little law on the land that once you turn 18, you, and you're a male, you must go serve in the army. That was the first war we ever watched on CNN. It was called Shock and Awe, and it looked sure. like 4th of July fireworks. But people were getting rained on and they were dying. That was my destiny. If it wasn't for God's hand, plucking my family out. So I'm grateful to be here, grateful to be anywhere. But anyway, um, I come from a good family, good, honest people. We went to church every Sunday, did a lot of sitting and kneeling and standing and sitting. So a lot of calisthenics going on, but not much of getting the word. And long story short, it was December of 1991. I was in a rough spot. My parents were my heroes. I loved them. Their business had just failed and gone bankrupt. I just um, finished, I was finishing up school and getting a degree in electrical engineering, I was living with a girl that was not my wife, and um, she decided she did not want to be with me anymore, but I couldn't afford to move out of her place. So she started leaving on dates while I was still living there. It sounds funny now, but it was brutal at the time. I thought I was going to marry this girl. And the same time, I, I didn't exactly take a gun and put it to my head, but it made perfect sense why someone would do that. Mm-hmm. And it was in that very, very month, I was invited to a pizza party and apartment complex in Arlington Heights, Illinois. And I walked in that pizza party and a couple I never see in my life just darted up to me and said, do you know if you died right now, where would you spend eternity? Would it be heaven or would it be hell? And they were what I call like bold Christians. Yeah. I known mm-hmm. them for 11 seconds at that point. <laughs> and we need, we need more bold Christians. So anyway, they asked me that question. I said, nice to meet you too. Um, I said, I have no idea. I think maybe heaven. Why do you think that? Well, never stole more than a pen from a hotel room. So I guess I'm an okay guy, but... They said, would you want to know absolutely for sure beyond the shadow of a doubt? I said, who wouldn't? They said, and they said, here's the words that came out of their mouth. Come over our home, sleep on our couch, and come to church with us tomorrow. And I said, okay. 
And I did that. And um, we went to Oak Lawn Bible Chapel, uh, a small little church the size of this conference room probably. And so we're in this service, and it was a good service, and it was done. And the pastor asked me if I knew what it meant to be a Christian. And I went to, I love my Catholic brothers and sisters, but I went to Catholic high school. I went to Catholic university. And I was a good Catholic about an hour a week. I just didn't know what to do with the rest of the hours. Sure. So it wasn't always the best of choices. So anyway, um, he was done. He started to open the Bible and share with me things I never knew were in there. And he asked me to get on my knees and say a prayer. I said the prayer. I opened my eyes in complete disappointment. There was no fireworks. There was no thunder, no lightning. There was no dove on my shoulder. None of that stuff happened. But um, at the end of the day, I left them. I never saw that pastor, that church, or that couple ever again. But that was December 29th, 91. I had plans on December 31st as a new single guy to go with my buddies to the bars in Chicago and go drink and womanize. That was my game plan. I went out, followed the plan, looked around, had no interest in anything, got a drink, took one sip, put it down, didn't want to drink anymore, and just leaned against the wall and talked to some guy about Jesus for a little while and left. And I, I knew I became a new creation. Like my pastor says, the old me was dead and new me lives instead. Mm. And uh, that was, uh, that was trying. I, I the moved back. The old me was dead and then you had a new me instead. I yeah. like that. Yeah. That's that a good, good rhyme. I like that. Yeah. Did you ever go back and try to find that couple? Um, I, I'm friends with them on Facebook. That's so, about it. <laughs> yeah. But do they know your story? Oh, yeah. They followed me since then, okay. which is, yeah, really exciting. Yeah. Because it's yeah. so nice to be able to hear those stories yeah. and to know that they made an impact. And it's just like God's testimony for me because I, I came from a Detroit area. You know, that's why I moved back to right away. And there's about 200,000 Chaldeans there. And they're extremely, yeah. And they're a different type of people. They're wonderful people, but... They're very, very stuck in their ways religiously. Every one of them have a statue of Mary on their front lawn, and there's, they're very much stuck. Anyway, so long story short, is, um, they would have assumed. I never heard the words born again Christian. I never heard the words getting saved. Never, never heard those words in my life. So now I'm a born again Christian. Now I'm saved. And they would have thought I was a part of a cult, except for the way my testimony, testimony rolls. I never saw that pastor, that church building, or that couple ever again. There's no way a cult can indoctrinate mm-hmm. me without multiple visits sure. and time spent. So that was pretty neat what God did. There's so, no so. way to deny the testimony yeah. that God was writing in your life. Yeah. That's amazing. So how do you take that story forward? At what point in time? So, so how old were you at the point in time? I was 22. So December 9th, 2019. So what would you say? 2001. No, you said Nine. 1991. Excuse me, 1991. Yeah. So you were, you were 21 years old. Talk to us about at what point in time did you realize that this new faith in Jesus was to impact your whole, your whole world, including your work? Great question. So um, I went from, uh, I, I started going to church. I thought I was the first ever Christian in Michigan, never heard of it. <laughs> I opened up the yellow pages, tried to find a church and found one and just bounced around. But anyway, I, I, was, um, I describe it as my journey of going from kindergarten to first grade as a Christian it took me about 10 years. Then went to a different church called Oakland Christian Church, and my pastor's son just graduated from Bible college, came back home. He took me to lunch. This was, I was, this was uh, 13 years ago. I caught the most expensive lunch of my life. He asked me if I wanted to go on a mission trip with him to the Dominican Republic. And my, I don't know why, yes came on me, but <laughs> th- at first I was thinking there's no way I can afford the time off. I can't afford the, in the money. And I was in the Boy Scouts for a week. It was way too tough. I quit. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle a mission trip. But somehow I said yes. And um, I went, and it completely changed my life. I remember going to Oswa, Dominican Republic, and it was a town where the average person makes three bucks a day. And he's preaching from a 
dusty platform onto a dusty, you know, dirt ground area. About 20,000 people gathered. I remember seeing these 20,000 people. Here's what struck me the most is these people materially had no home to go back to, no idea where their next meal or glass of clean water was coming from, but they were just tears of joy were just streaming down their cheeks because when you have, when you have nothing and then you have Jesus, you now have everything. Mm-hmm. And the ho- the, I felt the Holy Spirit before in bits and dabs, but I felt them so thick you can cut them with a knife. And, it, and that, you know, I, I describe it as I never tried crack or heroin or PCP, but I got addicted to that feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, I, I, I became addicted to what that would look like. So I'm going on my 35th mission trip on Tuesday. I'm going to Peru to preach out there. And that's absolutely changed my life. And yeah. so then, and here's the other thing too. I've had people criticize me, mostly believers. What are you going there for? Have you talked to your cousin, your next door neighbor or the mailman? And no, I have not. But when I go to those places, God gives me assignments to come back here and use him in my workplace. We are on location here, um, courtesy of Helping Hands Charitable, and um, just a great opportunity to get to hear what God is doing in a couple of people's lives and how they can, um, our listeners can learn from that. And Dan Baker, you are hosting us here today. Helping Hands Charitable can help organizations become more charitable, yeah. but to be more generous and to take care of their people in a more effective way. What are one of those ways that you can help those organizations out? So we can come alongside them and create uh, corporate assistance programs within corporate assistance, corporate program. assistance programs. Okay. Um, when you think about like benevolency, like what the church used to do years and years ago, uh, where members of the church could come and plead for help if they had financial situation, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's structured along those same things. So it's not a formalized something that the HR department would tell or, or, or a insurance company would sell or something like that. It's more around benevolence, but we call it corporate assistance because those monies can be used for uh, treatments, therapies, uh, paying of bills, mortgages, car payments, uh, memorial funds, etc. Do you have the, the companies, organizations that set up those corporate assistance programs? Do they have like committees that help decide who gets a grant and who doesn't? Like mm-hmm. giving committees or something like that? Yeah. So what we do is we'll we'll create a a committee uh, that basically helps us write out the bylaws so that we tick all the boxes. This is what we'll cover. This is what we'll not cover. This is, and, and typically there's a, a, a run of consistency there. Like they won't fund abortions, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, we won't fund legal bills because a lot of times legal bills are tied to divorces or stuff like that. And the last thing you want to do is create conflict there. So, so we're looking at r- real costs like uh, medical bills, uh, memorial costs, car payments that can't be made, house payments, power bills, water bills, um, those kind of things. You know, I can imagine <clears throat> that having something like this within an organization um, kind of diminishes that whole, oh, well, they're, they're just scamming their friends and asking for money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are people that sadly enough do that. And this yes. gives a, a safe environment for yep. true help to mm-hmm. be given to those around us, right? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of due diligence that's done behind the scenes. So we put the burden of determining what will be covered to that committee, mm-hmm. but then the due diligence of actually verifying the need uh, is put onto the burden of my staff. Okay. Um, so that way it's a third party arm's length transaction. We do the due diligence. Super easy. We look at, uh, you know, we'll, we'll call the, the vendor or uh, bill directly mm-hmm. to verify the amounts, et cetera. So there's a lot of back office stuff that's done, but we carry that burden. That doesn't fall on the employer. So it's nice and easy for them. 
Well, we sure appreciate your partnership with iWorkFrame. We love how you guys help people be more generous to maximize their giving and minimize their taxation. It's great. And we love the fact you brought in Brian Yost and Asad Faraj to share their stories today. Asad, you shared your Jesus story, and we love that. Now let's talk about what's the assignment God has you on right now? What, what is the, what's the business tree that the Lord has you assigned into today? Hey, man, thank you for asking. So it was around um, 12 years ago. I was preaching in Santa Cruz, Bolivia, and when I'm out there, I just kind of hear his voice more clear, and he gives me, he tends to give me assignments for things to do back here. So he gave me this assignment to start a virtual church on Monday mornings, kind of a strange time for church. But um, I started doing it, and it's been 12 years, every Monday morning, 8.30, and I, through a conference call, I preach a gospel message and a salvation prayer and pray a blessing. It was later revealed to me that Monday is the number one day of the week for heart attacks, for mm-hmm. strokes, for suicides, for occupants rates in hospital beds, and and people in the workforce, they go to church on Sunday, but man, by Monday, anxiety and stress overtakes them. And by Monday, it's like Sunday night at six o'clock. You're like, ah, oh, Monday's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and what I learned is what, what you know. We serve a God who's who's selfish. He he want he he wants it to be put first in every category. And most people put their God first in their work in their week by going to church on Sunday. But the first part of the work week is Monday morning. Most of us never bless the first part of our work week by giving it to God. When you put him first in your work week, he blesses the rest because whatever he's put in first, he gets blessed. A good friend of ours has a ministry called Work Life, and he talks about the Monday morning atheism issue. Hmm. You know, so many of us celebrate Friday. To, you know, we, we say, thank God it's Friday instead of, it's Monday. Yeah. Thank God it's Monday. I mean, we, we get to go out into our mission field every day. Yeah. So what, go ahead, Martha. Well, so I'm just curious about this virtual church. Is yeah. it, who is your, who's attending? Um, I, I got um, several thousand followers on social media and a whole bunch of people I don't know attend. And a bunch of people in my organ, in my company across the nation, and um, a bunch of strangers I've never met. Yeah. So, if our listeners yeah. wanted to listen in, how would they do that? I'm sure there's a phone number. I can pull it up and get it ready in two seconds. But uh, <laughs> you can also look at my Facebook page. It's asadfaraj.com, and okay. every Monday morning early, I post it. All right. A S A A D F A R A J. My Facebook page. You can be a follower there. Excellent. Yeah. That's you. probably the best way to do it. Yep. Just send them out to asadfaraj or asadfaraj.com. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah that, it's it's not marketed there, but yes, it could. Okay, be. Yeah. well, why it's, isn't it? I should be. That's a great idea. I'm just like trying to well, absolutely another great idea right, right here, and I work for him. <laughs> I like it. Asab, what's the Lord after Monday morning in your your morning service? What's the Lord having you doing all week long? What's the business tree He's called you into? Wonderful, thank you. So, um, the other thing is, I do missions work, and I do I do preach the gospel there to a lot of businesses in these third world nations, but here locally. When I was on one of the trips, God gave me an assignment to reach out to some people in our, in our company, which is a nationwide company, that have a lot of influence to start a monthly call for all of us to gather together once a month and share ideas, just pray for our company, but also share ideas how we can use our, our influence for his glory. Mm-hmm. And many ideas have come for that, but one of the things that's come is we tend to go speak all over the country. And like, for example, I'm speaking this weekend in Lakeland, about 2,000 Financial service reps are gathering for a business meeting. Most of them not saved. And on Friday night, it's going to be marketed tonight that they can come tomorrow morning, an hour before the business sessions, to hear from a successful business person about the Bible's definition of what true success looks like. Nice. And many gather. So I've done that dozens and dozens of times. And now it's being done across the nation through my other colleagues as well. Mm-hmm. So this tomorrow, about 150, 200 people will come on the stage and come forward and and uh, through the altar call and receive Christ. 
Awesome. Yeah. So, and now is that meeting only open to financial services representatives from your company? No, it's 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 open for guests as well. Wow. Yes, yes. Very cool. Uh, um, and I know by the time that's 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 amazing. I love that. Okay. So. Every day of the year, though, you're a financial services professional. Yes. You're, you're helping. You're in a financial advisor. How does your faith impact what you do on a day-to-day basis as you're dealing with yeah. customers? That's a great question. My, my pastor says that I'll be in front of more unsaved people than he'll ever dream of being. Of course. Yeah. So um, the key to sharing the gospel is just to get people to open up. And I've traveled the world, and I've seen how Satan attacks different nations in different ways. He attacks folks differently in India than he does in Peru than he does in Haiti. In America's number one foothold to wrecking people is financial pressure. You ask most pastors, what would they guess? Is the number one root cause of marital distress, even divorce? Mm-hmm. They'll tell you it's fighting about money. And mm-hmm. the American Medical Association is the number one cause of high blood pressure, diabetes, heart attack, stroke, suicides, and stress. The leading cause of stress is money. So as we're going through that, you can just see emotions manifest. And I usually ask permission at the very end if I can pray with them. And sometimes it doesn't last till the very end. We have to stop and pray right then. <laughs> but they never, ever, ever say no. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. It's awesome. We've I've seen that so many times. Asad, when you, you, there's a lot of people listening to the show today that are financial professionals. Yes. They're, they're in that financial world. Are you part of Kingdom Advisors too? Is that something that you've you played in the Kingdom Advisors world? I'm in my church as a role now, but I'm not sure what you're talking well, about. Well, the Kingdom yeah. Advisors is actually a company that's out there okay. that is specifically designed to disciple people that give people advice on things having to do with money. Okay. It's a Kingdom Advisors, what it's called. Okay. So when, when you look at, if there's financial advisors that want to talk to you, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? They can call me. They can call you. Yes. What's your phone number? 248 343 Four nine seven zero two four eight three four three four nine seven zero. And I have a book coming out. It's going to the publishing stages right now. It's called Faith Over Finance. And it's all about how to apply biblical faith to any financial challenge. But my advice to every financial person and every business owner in general, and every person in general, is what I call making God your partner. And in every traditional partnership, the more a business profits, the more both the partners profit equally. This style favors God as the partner with the most long-term incentive for growth. So the idea is start with the tithe, of course, but as your income raises, so should go up the percent that you give. Take, you can take as high as 99% on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. And what you've done now is you've unleashed the Lord of Heaven's armies, and he does have armies. You know, almost every pastor preaches Malachi 3 for the giving section. And what's interesting, the most interesting to me is about Malachi 3 is also what's the most overlooked. What's most overlooked is God in the Bible is many names. He's a God, Jehovah Rapha. He's a God Almighty. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he chooses to call himself in that passage the Lord of Heaven's army. So my, <laughs> what is occurring to me there is that when people don't tithe and give, we all feel like there's a war going on for our finances. When you don't tithe and give, you fight those battles on your own. When you do tithe and give, the Lord of Heaven's armies, those angels fight those battles for you. Mm. It took only mm. two angels to bring down Sodom and Gomorrah. It took only one to bring down the 185,000 Syrians in the enemy camp. Those angels are powerful beings, and they battle when we tithe and give. And that's why he chose to call himself that name in that passage. Mm. Yeah, we have found that when people understand, with people in the most debt possible, the only solution is for them to start giving. Because if they don't start giving, they'll never get out of debt. And that's like, the whole premise of my book is to have faith over your giving. Well, and I, when is that coming so, out? 
um, soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. It's done. Soon. Asad it's just Faraj. Oh, publishing a book is such a joy. Asadfaraj.com. Asadfaraj.com. A-S-A-A-D-F-A-R-A-J. Asadfaraj.com. I love it. Brian Yost, going back to you. City Commit. Uh, we want to hear about this. Let's just get started. Talk to us about what you're really doing because it, it, uh, we've seen you do uh, events having to do with transformational leadership with Ford Taylor. We love that, and, and, and that is a phenomenal process. But what you're doing here with City Commit is so much bigger than that. I just want to give permission to um, hand my time over to Assad no. because <laughs> I would rather listen to him. I know you're like, preach it, brother. <laughs> oh, oh, man. There for a minute. What a blessing was, to be If it was you. up to you, you could. But uh, it's, it's not. not yeah, I'm in charge. <laughs> well, the premise of City Commit is, is, uh, this, is this idea to create places to belong. And so we do that through roundtables and what others might call small groups. But it's not necessarily focused in the church. It's in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So in our present regional um, initiative, that might mean 40 to 50 locations with four or 500 meeting weekly, primarily men. Um, statistics tell us only 7% of men have best friends. That means 93% of men most likely are going to get picked off in life. And I was uh, soon to be that in my marriage 25 years ago until I let other men into my life. So my passion is, is what I call to have a 2 a.m. friend when all hell breaks loose who's going to be at your door mm -hmm. in 20 minutes. Um, so my passion is how do we create these tables or these groups where I could find that 2 a.m. friend. But more than that, I've been in 23 small groups in my life and on sports teams, but I've only belonged to three. It, just because you're in a small group does not mean, mean that you belong. Brian Yost, what did you mean by that? Well, at the deepest part of our lives, uh, we can use Maslow's hierarchy of, of need. He would say the third greatest need we have in life, all of us, would be that we would be loved and to love others, or what he would also call belonging. It's very in the DNA. Mm -hmm. But as Christ followers, we know that we have been implanted in our DNA a relationship, desire, much like the Trinity has and has demonstrated between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's, it's more than just being in a location as much as how do you create this idea that I can belong, even though we come from different places, backgrounds, cultures, colors, and creeds, can we actually create places to do that? And what we found over the last eight years, but really the last 25 years of my own personal journey is there's actually principles that we can use um, to do that. So companies might uh, use us, um, churches, to this whole idea of we want more than just um, to be in the same location, we want to actually be connected and, and belong. That uh, half of uh, who we relate to is actually in the recovery community. So my personal ministry is to inmates and also in the recovery community. What does that mean, the recovery community? Uh, that would be the addiction cre uh, okay. recovery where over the last 10 years I've had maybe 9,500 to 10,000 that has gone through some type of um, purposeful uh, acts of belonging where okay. I either teach or create those places. Okay. But then the other half or the next 50% of what we're doing is multiplying groups in different locations, uh, primarily men, but we do have some those for women and also mixed, where um, we really emphasize biblical uh, premise without Bible studies. So we don't do studies of maybe a, 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 a given book of the Bible, but rather they're biblical principles, much like TL, uh, Transformational Leadership with Ford, Principles work 
if you believe in God or not. They're just kingdom principles, universal laws that we can apply. So what we do is through relationships and through the proof, uh, we find a lot of men open to the gospel. All right. So let's just stop there for a second because it's so important we understand this. Okay. Because this is a faith and work radio program. And people listening are going, well, why do I care about City Commit? And what you just described was you're creating community and challenge and accountability for men. Why is the focus on men? Yeah, I just, I've, you know, especially when I was 37 years old, I had the privilege of also not only being a business, but then somehow in a crazy way, I became a pastor of a church, no seminary background, but I really sense the Lord saying, if you grab the man, you grab everything. If you grab the man, you grab the family. If you grab the man, you'll grab the church. And if you grab the church, you'll grab the neighborhood. And if you grab the neighborhood, you'll grab the city. If you grab the city, you'll grab the state. And if you grab a state, you can grab a nation. Now, that's not mine. That's Tony Evans. So I cheated and stole his stuff. That's okay. It's good. So I know that I can really impact marriage if I can grab the man. And that means that we don't... uh, we do it through servant leadership. We do it through mutual submission. We do it with a heart of service to our wife and our children. Um, so in the essence of it, it works in the business world. So we do topics such as uh, not only manhood, but marriage, career, vocation, parenting. And we really find that we reach men who are usually in some type of crisis stage. Uh, and that means at the late 20s to mid 40s, you're going to have some type of crisis within relationships, career, uh, things that you've never experienced where we're open to, but maybe sometimes can't find mm-hmm. help. And so what if we created a place on your time and your schedule where we can actually do that? So we have from 6.15 a.m. in the morning um, to 7 o'clock uh, p.m. at night, we'll have meetings um, and that can be in a business setting, even a church setting, community centers. And someone asked me the other day on Wednesday morning, what's your farthest location? I said, we're actually launching one in Atlanta. And he said, that's not your farthest one. My son started one in Manitoba, Canada. And he came to one of our groups, and, and then we uh, gave him the curriculum. And he began one two years ago with six other men. And so our dream would be, not that a name needs to apply, but the paradigm can be multiplied over and over and over and really that's what we, you know over the last 50 years for sure men have been demasculated in this country mm-hmm. uh, and within the church the church uh, misrepresented where men what, what men's roles was supposed to be i mean it, it was it was men rule over your wives yeah. that's not what ephesians five twenty five was really talking about right. it said husbands love your wives like christ loved the church blah 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 blah, blah. wives submit to your husbands it was the men was supposed to be hey love your wives all you got to do love them like you love the church right love like jesus love the church so when you see a transformed man, all of a sudden the whole world around him starts to be impacted. The children, his employees, his coworkers, his bosses, everybody gets impacted. Right. So we live by the paradox principle that the more I die, the more I get to live. Oh. So the paradox in life is that the more I die to myself, the greater marriage that I get to have. The more I die to the, even what was Assad was saying is, the more I die to the idol in our, in our society would be the finances. The more I die to that, and not only do I tithe, but I do it as a first fruit, as my faith move, uh, the more that God is allowed to say, uh, I can bless now. And so that's a dying so I can live. So how are you seeing that change this community? 
You know, it's really through a narrative. I wish I would say, man, here's the metrics. But it's the stories of a wife saying, I don't know what you're doing in there. Because I'm not <laughs> allowed. Keep doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But it's changing him. And you can go to our website at citycommit.com and just see the videos that we have okay. of men uh, from 70 to 80 years old to wives who are saying every Friday morning, I get to know that my, my husband is with other like-minded men who just want to grow because we're not perfect. But we're, we're, we have a desire to grow. And the change that's happening in their marriage. Mm. So citycommit.com, citycommit.com. If somebody wants to start one in their area, yeah. how do they get it started? Can they just contact you on the website? Absolutely. They can email us and we'll get the contact. Well, we just did that today with another location. And we just, we just want to do it in a simple and reproducible manner. So we use what's called Right Now Media. So we will give you or license that we can give that to you. We have a simple paradigm that says there is no book studies. It has to be 30 minutes or less of a video and quite frankly that's too long for me anymore i'm getting older i love 15 minute videos with three questions you never have to prepare just show up that's our paradigm mm. citycommit.com citycommit.com gentlemen i want to i, I want to ask you this question and so you got a minute to answer this question Assad farage you know uh, mercy me has this great song dear younger me what would what would you wish that your younger you knew from what you know today the Lord says to trust him with all your heart, lean not on your understanding. And most of us can, we love that scripture, we, we know the scripture, but we don't really honor that scripture by its deepest meaning. So we always want to just push the limits and not give him all of our heart, all of our finances, all of our trust, all of our soul, our mind, our strength. So I would just say trust him at his word. If you trust him at his word, all will go well. I wish I would have done more of that years ago. But it's impossible to trust him at his word if you don't know what his word says. So you've got to read that word so you can learn to trust him at the word. Asad Farage, thank you so much. Uh, go ahead, Brian Yost. Dear younger you, what would you say? Oh, I, I would say it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And mm -hmm. I think early on in my life, I achieved what the world said I should achieve by 25. Uh, and then you get on the, uh, on the mountaintop and realize you're on the wrong mountain. <laughs> and um, I think at 55, mm. I try to take this moment on a Friday afternoon and soak it all in because I'm not promised tomorrow morning. Mm. That's right. And so I think I would tell younger Brian, uh, enjoy the roses along the way. Mm. Brian Yost, Asad Farage, thank you guys for being on I Work Rim today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. It's a blessing. Dan Thanks. Baker, Helping Hands Charitable. Hey, hey. Let's finish off the show just talking about what you're doing to change the community all over the country. Well, what's one thing that people need to know right now about Helping Hands Charitable? hhcharitable.org. How can you help change America? Hey, if, if you guys, the listeners, were sitting out there and you're sitting in your room and you're talking to your spouse or whatever and you say, uh, I wonder if we can do this in a charitable manner. Don't think about it. Don't just sit there and let time go by. Reach out to us at hhcharitable.org. We'll be glad to vet the process and make sure it works. Uh, we have a saying that says, if we can't do it, nobody can. So, is it true when you say that? It is true. We are the giving experts. You, I mean, that's, that's saying something. Such yeah. confidence. That's right. And they can have confidence in you guys because yeah. you really, you, you have a love for the Lord and for do, getting things accomplished for the kingdom. Yes. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah. We have a rich legacy of, of having founders who did all of the vetting of all of this for us so that we can walk 
this out. Uh, the CAP programs, guys, it, that is the one thing we really want to preach and preach and preach every time we have an opportunity. Corporate assistance programs, if you're a leader in a business and you want to create a culture of generosity in your giving uh, in your area, give us a call. We'll show you how to do it. What's that look like? Really quick. you got uh, 20 so, seconds. So it's super easy. Uh, there's, a, there's a preset template of bylaws that goes together. We, we put a committee together. We vet the need when an application comes in. And then we create the uh, environment where that dollar can move over to that need in a tax-free environment. Mm. Dan Baker with Helping Hands Charitable. Thanks for hosting us. Absolutely. Last couple of days on the air, we really appreciate it. hhcharitable.org. Thank you, Dan Baker. Mm, yeah. And for getting some great guests for us. It was fantastic. Yeah, you're welcome. A lot of fun. Make sure you check them out online, hhcharitable.org, hhcharitable.org. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him. 